Last month, I was taking my dog for a walk, something I like to do just to get her out and be out in the sunshine and looking at some of, you know, the fall start, weather starting to finally get here. And uh, I saw a sad thing, though. There was an ambulance that came into our neighborhood and then left pretty soon after that. I uh, heard from one of our neighbors living across the street, a uh, young man named Matthew, told me that it was actually uh, a man in our neighborhood who's a father, uh, he's, a, he's a husband, his son plays with our boys, uh, and he had to go to the hospital because of uh, COVID uh, and some complications that were happening in his life because of COVID. So that was last month. Uh, two weeks ago, Laura and I went to his funeral. Uh, he did not survive that. Uh, and so, of course, now he leaves behind his wife. Uh, he has a son in high school, a daughter in high school uh, who no longer have their husband, no longer have their father. In the midst of life, we are in death. In the midst of life, we are in death. Earlier this month, my father gave me a call on the phone and wanted to give me an update. Uh, when I was growing up, my brother and I, are, we're preacher's kids. My dad's a, a retired pastor now. And uh, he had a good friend who's a pastor. They went to school together to learn how to be pastors. And so uh, they would get together, and we get together with the family. And, and the other family had two boys, Jay and Chad, and they were the same ages as me and my brother Matt were. And so we kind of grew up knowing each other. We'd see each other once or twice a year, and so we had that relationship. And uh, Dad called me up, and he said, I have some bad news. Uh, Chad, the younger boy, uh, passed away. He was going to see his son, who is at North Carolina State University, uh, see how he's doing, and on the way there in a the car crash, he died. Right? So in the course of a couple of weeks, uh, one man was two years younger than me, one man was one year younger than me, are now dead. In the midst of life, we are in death. These children of these dads will no longer have a father to be there to watch them graduate from college, watch them get married, watch them have their first child. All of those milestone moments are gone because of how unfair life can be. People die before they're supposed to die. It's not right that that happens, and it leaves behind loved ones who are struggling with that. In the midst of life, we are in death. How do we begin to make sense of that? Because it's just not people that, that I've talked about that experience this. It's people like you and me, right? We, we remember nine people in our congregation who over the last year died. Right? Some of them were battling diseases. Some of them died of old age. And whatever the circumstances were, it's difficult to let them go because we love them. And I know that there are people in your life that you love that, that are gone and you miss them and you wish there anything you could have just another minute or a, an hour or a day with them. And, and so we all know what death is like and how we have to face that. We all know that one day we all will die as well, that our picture will be up here at some point and people will be talking about our lives and, and what we lived and mourning our loss. In the midst of life, we are in death. How do we make sense out of this? How do we come to terms with death? We can deny it. We can pretend that it doesn't exist, but it's going to catch all of us. So how do we deal with death? Right? Humans have done that ever since humanity right, started, right? And so we've had philosophers that look at it. We have artists who look at it. We have poets who look at it. We have theologians who look at it. We, we all try to wrestle with the specter of death that waits us all. One interesting take from philosophers like Soren Kierkegaard and Martin Heidegger, they say that death is the horizon that shapes our consciousness. Death is the horizon that shapes our consciousness, right? Death is on the horizon. We all will face it. It's all there waiting for us. 
And because we know where we're going to go, that should shape how we live our lives, right? If that's our horizon, where we're headed, it affects the way that we think about life, right? If we're all headed to death, we have to choose how to live the life that comes before that, right? So death, right, shapes our consciousness, right? Death shapes our consciousness. One way that I kind of translate that is, is in this way. You know, when you go on vacation, how it's good to get away from all the stress of life and you can leave work behind and all the things that are bugging you. And I don't know about you, but like when I go on vacation, I can't wait. And, you know, it takes a day or two to unwind from the stress, you know, to kind of leave it behind and stop talking and thinking about it. But then you get into that sweet spot of the vacation where you're just, you're on vacation and you're enjoying it, right? You're, just, you're in that nice spot. But but as the vacation kind of gets to the midway point or past that, if you're like me, you begin thinking, oh, man, I've only got three days left. I've only got two days left. I've only got one day left. And, and pretty soon, those days you have left kind of get ruined because you're worried about going back to the stress that you left behind. I think that's what these philosophers are saying to us. Death is on the horizon. We're on vacation, right? We're in life, living life. And as we begin to think about it, it can poison our life because we begin to worry about death. And we don't know how we're going to deal with that horizon when it comes. I think that's the way these philosophers are speaking, or at least that's the way that I make sense of that. But it's not just philosophers that think about death. So do artists and poets. I want to share with you the first line of a poem that's called Death by an Austrian poet. Uh, it says this, There stands death, a bluish concoction in a cup without a saucer. Melissa, if you just leave that up for a few minutes here. There stands death, a bluish concoction in a cup without a saucer. What in the world does that mean? Maybe you're like my 13-year-old son who says, That's stupid, Dad. Poetry's all stupid. It doesn't make any sense, right? What does that mean? There stands death, a bluish concoction in a cup without a saucer. Well, death is like a bluish liquid. I don't know why the poet called it blue. Maybe the poet uses Windows uh, operating system, and when it crashes, you get the blue screen of death. Anybody ever seen that? With that smiley face sideways that you just want to throw out the window, right? I don't know. Maybe blue is the color of a poison. Uh, but the author says, there stands death, a bluish concoction in a cup without a saucer. What, what does the poet mean by that? Maybe it, it's something like this. You ever fix a recipe where it calls for you to have to boil something, maybe boil some water, or you mix something together with water and you let it boil, and once it boils, the recipe says, let it stand. You ever seen that? Let it stand, right? So you take the whatever's boiled, you, you put it to the side, and you just you leave it there, and you let it stand, and you finish the other parts of the recipe that you're going to combine later. But what happens is while you're working, while you're doing your own thing, the fluid is still there standing and waiting on you. And maybe the poet is saying this, that death has been poured out, and it's standing, it's waiting, it's on the horizon, and so we go off and we work and we, we do our thing, and yet death is still standing and it's waiting for us, right? We go and we play, we, we do sports, or, or we, we, we do art, we go to school, right? We live our lives, and yet death is still standing. It's still waiting. It's not going anywhere. It's humored by the way we spend our time, but it's still standing. It's still waiting as we work the recipes of our life. We laugh and we cry and we fight and we play, and at the end of the day, death is still standing, waiting for us. I think that's a powerful way of talking about death being on the horizon. 
that at the end of the day, it's going to be waiting for us no matter what we do in our lives. As we think about that, that, that can be troubling, right? And so it's good that it's on the horizon and we're not constantly thinking about death because if we focused on death every day, it could drive us crazy and it could poison our lives, right? Just like you, you're worried about vacation ending, you're, you're not enjoying the time. And so we have to be careful maybe not to focus too much on death. We have to leave it at that, that arm's length, right? If we focus too much on death, it, it can be paralyzing. Nothing we can do can, can stop death. We can eat right and we can exercise and we can take care of ourselves and take vitamins, and, and, but it doesn't matter. Death is still waiting on us. And so if we focus on death too much, we, we, just, we become paralyzed because no matter what we can do, nothing can stop it. Or we focus on it so much that it, it ruins the moments that we have. Instead of enjoying life, we're worried about what death is going to do to us and, and we become living zombies, Right? We're not eating brains or anything, but, but our life, we, we become like the living dead. We're so worried about death that it poisons the moment, right? And we experience hell on earth. You don't have to die to go to hell. You can experience that in this life if we're focused too much on where we're going with death. Right? So maybe it's good that death stays on the horizon. But at the same time, we can't ignore death because it's real. It affects the way that we live our lives. But sometimes we, we do the opposite. Our culture focuses so much on death that it, it desensitizes us to death. It, it overwhelms us with death because we see death in the news all of the time. We see it in the movies. We see it on television. We see it in our video games. What kind of a world do we live in when it's normal for our children to come home from school and say, guess what we did today, Mom and Dad? What would you do today? Right? We had a drill so we would practice just in case somebody came on to our campus and was an active shooter. Because so many of our children shoot other children in schools. It's a normal part of our lives for our children to do drills to avoid getting shot at school. What kind of a culture of death do we live in? We hear, oh, wow, there was 50 people that were blown up in a, in a bombing today. And, and we, we stop and we pause, well, that's terrible. But we would rather focus on the things that really make us angry. Like when we were at Starbucks and the barista gave us two creams instead of three. Right? Doesn't the barista know we get three creams instead of two? I'm sorry 50 people died, but I need my coffee in the right way. We trivialize death. 50 people died in a bombing. Our media is so big because the world has billions of people. If you watch it, there are going to be people dying every day. And I understand we're going to be overwhelmed by that. And sometimes we do become desensitized to that. We see it in the movies. We see it on the news. We see it on television. We see it in video games. It used to be like when something horrific happened, like someone being decapitated, that would, that would cause us to be shocked and, and upset and to mourn the loss, whether we knew the person or not. But now our children play video games at age 10 where people are decapitated, and it's just a big joke for kids to see someone lose their head. What kind of a culture of death? have we entered into? We look and we see death around us and we hear someone has died and, and hopefully our heart goes out to them. That's another human being. They're gone. Someone misses them. That's sad. That could have happened to me. It's going to happen to me. And, and we have this civic moment of connection with someone else. Or sometimes we think, wow, I wonder what they did to deserve that or they're going to die anyway. Right? We have these callous, horrible thoughts in our minds. Right? So... We don't want to focus on death too much. We don't want to focus on death not enough. So what's right in that balance? I like this quote that I read. One of the worst things we could do is get used to death. Treat it as unremarkable 
or as anything other than a loss. When we hear about death, it's a real person that affects other people, and we should not trivialize that. Will you read that out loud with me? One of the worst things we could do is get used to death. Treat it as unremarkable or as anything other than a loss. In the midst of life, we are in death. But also in the midst of life, we are in life, right? In the midst of life, we are to live our lives. We, we know that death is coming, and so we should make the best of the moments that God has given us. In the midst of life, we are to live life, right? And so we see this in our culture, right? Seize the day, carpe dia, make the best of your moments now. Some talk about it as the dash, right? We've, we've got our birth date on a, head, on a tombstone. We've got the, the death date on a tombstone, and there's a dash in between, right? The dash symbolizes all that happens between being born and dying, and, and that's where our lives are supposed to be lived, right? We, we're supposed to take advantage of the time that God gives us, and, and so we're going to skydive, right? We're going to ride bulls. We're going to go see sunsets and beaches and mountains and travel and hug people and love them and make the best of life because it's so short we have to live, right? In the midst of life, live your life, right? It's a gift from God. How are we living that life, right? Taking advantage of that and then knowing what's on the horizon, making the best of, of every moment. I had someone say to me after the, the first service today, like, you know, I, I saw that in my life this week. I was going to CVS. I was stressed about a, a prescription I have, and I saw this beautiful tree. It was red and orange. It's fall, and I just stopped, and the, and the tree worked, right? I know that's poetic and sappy, but that's it, right? Appreciate the moments that God has given us. Live your life, right? And the nine people that we honor today, they did that. Right? These are nine wonderful, beautiful people that, that took advantage of the time that they had on the earth. They loved people. They got married and they had children and they had grandchildren. They had friends. They had colleagues, right? They, they, they doted on people, right? They danced and they, they sailed boats. They traveled to Europe. They traveled to New Zealand. They, they did lots of things. They cooked meals and they ate them. Right? They loved and, and kissed and made out with their girlfriends and boyfriends. Right? They, they lived life. Some of them even told jokes that made their pastor blush. You know, it's so like these were people that lived life. They took advantage of that time. And I don't want us to lose sight of that. Right? In the midst of life, we're in the death. But in the midst of life, live. Live your life. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who founded many churches in the first century, and he would go around and visit them, and he'd write them letters, and some of those letters made it into the New Testament. He talked a lot about death and life. So it's not just artists and poets and philosophers. There are also theologians, people who think about God and, and life and death. And so Paul writes one of the, the greatest things in all of the Bible about life and death. It's in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. And he talks about why we die, right? Humans die because we do wrong things against God. We've been cut off from the tree of life, right? The eternal life. And so death is the result of our sin. But Paul said that's not the end of it. That's why Jesus came. He died on a cross. He took our death upon him and he defeated it when he came back to life, right? And so now we have an opportunity to, to defeat death in Jesus. And in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is saying the resurrection is real, that Jesus came back to life, that we can come back to life also when we call Jesus our Lord and Savior and invite him into our lives. Right? Paul says the resurrection happened. He said it's so important that if it didn't happen, then we're wasting our time. 
all of our faith is in vain if the resurrection didn't happen. It's an amazing chapter. I invite you to read that later today or sometime this week, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to get to a little bit of that in just a minute. But there are a couple of questions that Paul asks in 1 Corinthians 15 that I wonder if you find interesting. Right? Let's look at these in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Because you know, Paul's saying Jesus came back, right? So death loses. Death, you don't have a victory. You don't have a sting. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But if we're honest and someone that we loved has just died or they died a long time ago and we're still not over it, death most assuredly has a victory and death most assuredly has a sting, right? God's going to win. Resurrection is going to happen, but in the meantime, when someone we love dies, it hurts, right? What's the victory of death? The victory of death is people that we love are buried six feet under the ground. People that we love are, are cremated and their ashes are sitting in a vase downstairs in our columbarium where they've been spread across nature somewhere, right? That's where the evidence of victory of death is. People are dead that we love, right? Where's the sting of death? It's in our hearts, we hurt when people die. We hurt when they're gone because we love them and we miss them and it stings like hell, right? That's the sting of death. It's real. It hurts whether it happened yesterday, whether it happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. We miss people because we love them. And death, is, it, it, it hurts. It's unfair. It's not cool. It is real, right? The sting hurts. It hurts us. Talking to a man named Brad Reinhardt, his wife, Ruby, was one of our saints that we showed here today. And he shared something with me, and he gave me permission to share it with you. And his wife just recently died, and he's struggling with that as, as we expect him to. He said, Kyle, for me, it's kind of like things in my life are tasteless. It's like I'll eat a great meal that Ruby and I would love to, to share together, but it, I just I don't taste anything. Or I'll go on a walk where Ruby and I used to go on a walk, and I just, I, I don't feel anything. I feel numb. It's like my life is tasteless. It's like salt has lost its flavor, like that passage of Scripture where Jesus talks about salt losing its flavor. He's like, my life has lost its flavor because my wife is dead. My life feels tasteless, and I hurt, and the sting of death is real. The victory of death is real. She's dead, and he's hurting. But he also talked to me about how his grief is also a gift, it reminds him that he had something real with his wife, that there's something worth missing, that there was something special that they shared, and, and that is good. And that grief is a way for us to really find a gift from God. It's a way that we process our emotions. And God gives us the ability to be angry or to feel sad or to feel numb or to feel 15 different emotions at the same time. It's God's gift to us to process our loss. And so in some strange way, grief is a gift. And Brad realizes that and he's grateful for that. And I'm grateful to him for allowing me to talk about that today because that is a real example that I'm guessing if you've lost someone, you might feel something in that way. In the midst of life, we are in death. From whom can we seek help? In the midst of life, we are in death. From whom can we seek help? The psalmist answers the question for us. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In the midst of life, we are in death. From whom can we seek help? Our help 
is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Thanks be to God, we're not in this alone. Thanks be to God, death is not the end. We are grateful because God is with us to help us. Jesus himself said this in John's gospel. We talk about it a lot here at our church, South Park Church, John 10, 10. Right? Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Right? Live your life. Like we were talking about earlier, right? The dash in the middle, right? right? In the midst of life, live. Right? Live your life. Go out. Live a great life. But in the midst of this, Jesus takes it to a new level, right? He has come to give us life to the full. Life to the full, not just going out and skydiving and having nice dinners and all that kind of stuff is cool, but to have a life that is full in Christ, right? Jesus takes life to a new level, right? We can experience great things in life without Jesus, but with Jesus, it's better, right? Life becomes life to the full in Christ, right? There's a qualifier in that, right? What does it mean to live a life that is full in Christ, right? It means that the most important thing in our lives are relationships, Relationships with God and relationships with each other. God has given us each other. God has given us himself that a life that is lived to the full in Christ is all about relationships with God and with each other. We, we make intersections in our lives together. We, we come across each other in our lives together. Right? And that's where, that's where life happens, in relationships with each other. Right? It also means that, that we allow God to transform us, that God meets us where we are, and helps us become the people that he created us to be. God meets us where we are, and he helps us become the people he created us to be, to live a life that is full, to make a difference in the world. And living life to the full also means that we offer what we have to the world. Our gifts, our abilities, our unique slant on life, right? We all have things that will make the world a better place, right? We offer what we have to people and to God, and that brings us meaning. Those nine people that we're celebrating today, right, they got it. They lived a life that was full. They did fun and cool things, but they also lived a life that was full in Jesus. And we can see that. Larry, Larry Cherry, just a beautiful man. Right? He had a heart for people. He had a heart to make sure that we had Alcoholics Anonymous meeting at our church to help people battle addictions. He had a, he had a heart for, for people who were going through medical challenges, and he would have all kinds of medical things available for people. They could get crutches. They could get a wheelchair, right? If you go through a hard time medically, Larry wanted to help you, equip you to battle whatever you're battling, right? His heart, right? Because he loved Jesus and he loved people. And so it wasn't just about Larry. It was about everyone that he could help. Right? Chris, who was up here short for Christine, she didn't miss an opportunity to volunteer, right? You need to volunteer at the church. You need to volunteer to do something. There the hand goes up, right? Because it's not just about her, it's about what she had to give back. Right, it's a beautiful thing. Fred, who's up here, Fred Lancaster, you know what he did for people in the name of Jesus? He built houses for people. Right? In his, his volunteer time through Habitat for Humanity, he and some other guys from our church would go and they'd build houses for people. Right? I don't know the number of houses. It's a ton of houses. That, just imagine how many people have roofs over their heads in Charlotte, North Carolina, because Fred lived a life that is full in Jesus. Right? He gave what he had. And he lived a full life. It's, it's a beautiful thing. We saw Cookie up here. You may or may not know that Cookie, for a lot of her later part in life, was confined to a wheelchair because of Parkinson's. Right? But that didn't stop Cookie from living her life to the full. And if you knew Cookie and you saw her situation, some people would look at her and pity her. But if you knew Cookie, you would be smiling and grinning because she didn't stop living her life. And her zest for life was contagious. She lived a life that is full to Jesus. And Ruby... 
the wife of Brad that I mentioned earlier, she sang for Jesus and she sang for people. There were many Sundays that she was battling cancer and no one knew that, right? Brad had told me, Ruby had told me, right? And I would see her leading worship and just knowing what she was battling and still singing about the joy of Jesus, right? That, that's what life to the full is about. Diane, right? She would open her home to students from overseas to come and live in while they're studying and getting an education here in the United States. Student after student after student after student, she opened her house with her other kids, right, welcoming students from all over the world constantly. I don't know how many, how many students she helped and welcomed, but she, it was a ton of them. Right? She made a difference in their life. Elizabeth, who's up here, right, in her old age, right, she went with a group in our church to nursing homes and places where people were living in assisted living who can't get out and go to church and and this group sings to them and sings hymns with them. And they take Holy Communion and serve it to these residents, right? And so they can't come to the church. And so the church went to them. And Elizabeth was one of those ones who's right there singing and taking the gift of Holy Communion to people that you didn't even know, right? But she became friends with them. And Mark, who was up here, he was an avid sailor, right? That's not what he did for a living. That was his hobby. And he loved it so much that he would teach children how to sail, right? In his volunteer time, he would teach them how to sail, right, through sharing the love of God, seeing the beautiful outdoor nature in this awesome setting, and he would help students, right, just this powerful way of helping kids. And then BJ, right, she loved the Lord so much that she taught Sunday school. She taught people literally about who Jesus is, week in and week out, living a life that is full in Jesus. So, yes, live your life to the full, but live your life to the full in Jesus, right? Because life begins with Jesus. Jesus gives us our physical life. He creates us, right? But real life, living a life that is full, begins with Jesus. We don't really start living our lives until we turn to Christ and invite him to be our Lord and Savior, thanking him for his creation, thanking him for dying on a cross and coming back to life so that we can live that life, right? So it's a life that is full. This life matters, and we also have the wonderful gift of eternity that follows that. Let's check that out. Again, with Paul, this time, we're going to see him writing in the book of Romans. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Right? So as Jesus was resurrected from the dead, we can be resurrected from the dead. Right? When we believe in Jesus... We ask him to forgive us. We invite him to come and live into our lives. We can have that eternal life as a gift given to us as well. Paul continues again in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We won't all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable, right, that which disintegrates, right, must clothe itself with the imperishable, right, bodies that won't melt away, right, the mortal with immortality living forever. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory, right? Here the questions are, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Where is the victory of death? Where is the sting of death? It's real, but it's not lasting, right? Those of you who like sports, it's like in the playoffs when it's a be the best game of seven, right? A series of seven. You have to be the first team to win four games. You can lose a game or two and still come back and win the series, right? I think that's how it is. Death comes in, they win that first game, right? They kill, it kills our loved ones. That hurts us. It stings us. It seems like it's the end of the world. But then Jesus comes on the court and wins the next four, right? Four to one, Jesus wins in the resurrection. There is a, a victory for death. There is a sting for death, but it's just a battle. It's not the war, right? Jesus comes in. Thanks be to God for the victory through Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection. Right? That's what we're talking about. That's what we all have access to, life to the full now and life forever in the kingdom of heaven. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. Get busy living or get busy dying. That, by the way, is a quote out of a movie, The Shawshank Redemption, one of my favorite movies, but I think it's what the Scripture's saying, right? We have a choice, right? We can live a life that is full. We can live a life that lasts forever, or we can choose to ignore all that, and we can just walk around this life like zombies, right, like the living dead, and, and we can experience hell on earth, right? Brokenness apart from God, brokenness apart from others, right? Get busy living or get busy dying. And I think Jesus would clearly say, Paul would clearly say, Choose to live, right? Get busy living. What does it look like for you to get busy living a life that is full with Jesus? Right? Like the nine people that we saw, like the nine people that we celebrate, right? like Jesus himself. So I want to ask you to do something weird this week, okay? An action step, right? I want you to do, I want you to think about death, right? Great, I'm glad I came to church today. This is so uplifting, like, thank you. Right? Think about death. It's something that we don't really do. I don't want you to think about it too much, we might think about death after we've been to a funeral or someone we loved has died and we stop and it affects us, but then we get back into our lives. I invite you to think about death. If you died today, if you died today, would your family know what to do? Do you have a will? Do you have a living will? Do you have a health care power of attorney? Do you have a plan for your worship service? Have you faced the reality of death? Do, do your friends, do your family know what to do when you're gone? Right? Those things are important. Are you, are you eating well now? Are you going to the doctor? Are you trying to do everything you can to keep that death at bay, right? How, how are you living your life right now? Or maybe more importantly, if you were to die today, what would people say about you? If you were up here on the screen, because you're gonna be on the screen one day, they say, wow, that's a person who lived life to the full. They loved people and they, they did amazing things and, and they loved Jesus and they, and they shared that good news. What would people say about you? Are you living the life that God calls you to live? Is there something in your life that you're spending a lot of time on that just isn't really that important? There's stuff in my life I can look at. I spend a lot of time, get stressed about it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter at all. Why am I spending so much time on that, right? Live that life to the, to the full in the moment. If you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do today? How does that affect the way that you live your life? Or maybe more importantly, if your children were going to die tomorrow, your grandchildren, your mom, your dad, your sister, your best friend, right, the people that you work with, do they know Jesus? Are they living a life that is full? How are you helping them live a life that is full? Because it's not just about you and me. It's about everybody. How are we helping other people live lives that are full? 
I see people that are that are tortured in their lives. They're doing terrible things. We want to try to inject some goodness of Jesus to help turn it around. How are you helping other people live a life that is full? And do you know where you're going after death? Do you know where your children are going to go after death? Where your grandchildren are going? Where your friends or your neighbors, your family, your people at work? Do they know about the good news of heaven, the good news of Jesus? And what role are you playing in that? Get busy living or get busy dying. Think about death. Well, our friend is still here in the cup. It's been standing. Kyle's been preaching for about 25 minutes. It's almost over, right? But death's still here. You're going to go eat lunch. Death's still here. You're going to go to work tomorrow. Death's still here. You're going to go to school tomorrow. Death is still here. It's still standing. The specter at the end, the horizon's coming, right? You know what Jesus thinks about this? He thinks pretty good. He says, it's empty. I love you so much, I swallowed death for you. I took the cross and I came back to life. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh, death is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? It's gone. Jesus drank it. And I bet he had a big old burp after that, right? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh, death is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us Jesus and the victory over death. Brothers and sisters, get busy living. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.